Speaks Radio. I am your host and founder of the show, Lori LeBay. My mom had dementia for 30 years, and that's why I switched careers and started this. I, I think it's really important that we <clears throat> work together and um, raise awareness and get rid of stigmas. And we have Bexy Owen with us from the UK, and we're going to be talking with her. She's a singer. She's going to be talking about the power of music and the benefits of it. Uh, but before we get started with that, I just want to give a shout out and a thank you to all of our listeners. You see your likes, your clicks, and your shares have just been amazing, and you have done so much to help raise awareness and help remove the stigmas and connect people to the resources so badly needed. So continue to like, click, and share. Taking that little bit of time makes a huge difference, way more than you'll, you'll ever, ever know. And um, again, I want to thank you. <clears throat> thank you for that. I also want to give a shout out to a couple of organizations. Dementia Action Alliance is a, a newer organization, but they're doing really cool things. In fact, they're having their second North American conference for dementia June 20th through the 22nd in Atlanta, Georgia. And one of the things that's really unique about their conference is a lot of their speakers have dementia. And so it's really an eye-opener for people to, to be able to see and hear what people with dementia want and um, what's working and what's not. So you can go to daanow.org to get more information on that conference, but I think it will be definitely worth your while. I also wanna give a shout out to the A-List because they're connecting families and researchers so um, researchers get better knowledge of what do families need when it comes to, to research. And you can go to usagainstalzheimers.org forward slash networks forward slash a dash um, list and um, sign up for their surveys. They're really easy. And the other thing that's cool is they always get back to us with what the results are. Last, I just want to remind you, you know, check out alzheimerspeaks.com. We are connected on social media and LinkedIn. It's hard not to find us. Twitter, Facebook, all of those types of things, our blog, the radio show. But we have a main website that can feed you all kinds of information. You can check out our initiatives and products um, there. Now, Bexy Owen is a UK-based singer who's with us today. And she has actually been touring the UK to raise awareness on the benefits of music with people living with dementia, which is really, really cool. And she is committed to campaigning for all of those living with dementia to have regular access to music, which seems like such a basic need. And it's like, why would somebody have to advocate for that? But it, but you really do, don't you, Becky? Everyone should have music, shouldn't they? But, but many places, it's the last thing on their minds and you can understand why because food and warmth and safety obviously they come first 
but music is so important, isn't it? It's so important. It, it really, it really is. Now, before we get into our um, line of questions, I always like to ask our guests if they've been personally touched by dementia in their family or circle of friends. I didn't when I started out. Um, having said that, though, I've made so many friends now with people who are living with dementia that I do feel a lot more emotionally involved and personally involved. So I think that's where it's just grown and grown for me as I've met more people living with dementia and seen how much music helped, you know, it just spurs me on even more. So it sounds like this is more than just a job or an advocacy for you. I mean, you're really personally connecting with the people. Definitely. Absolutely. I feel that taking music to people is part of my, you know, part of why I'm here. It's my mission in life, if you will. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I get that because when I switch careers, that's how I feel now about what I do as well. How did you yeah. start using music in dementia care and how did the tour come about? So basically just from doing the singing for a while with people living with dementia. And then I just, I knew how much singing went beyond entertainment and to something a lot deeper. It touches us so much deeper, doesn't it? So I just, I knew that I, I had to take music to as many places as possible. And when I would get in touch with hospitals, they would say, oh no, we don't have any music here at the minute. So I thought, right. Well, if this is the case in a lot of places across the UK, then we need to do something about this. So obviously I'm not saying that I'm single-handedly <laughs> doing this, but but I thought if if me, just one person, can get to as many places as I can, you know, that might after my visit, that might lead that particular place to put something in, you know, in place for this, themselves and maybe start something off in, in that place and a hospital nearby there, maybe. So things can grow, can't they, from getting out there and doing something? Well, they really can. And, uh, you know, it's nice that you have the belief that one person can make a difference. There can be this okay. ripple effect. And I think so often people are beat up and they don't believe they have a po the power to make a difference in the world. But everybody does. Every single person on this planet has the power to improve or make things worse, <laughs> you know, depending on what they put their mind to. And music, what I love about it is the ripple effect is so subtle. You know, it, when joy is brought, it just, it's, it kind of is this wave that goes through the audience. And sometimes it's people that might not even consider themselves part of the audience. Maybe they're working or just passing by. But when you see other people happy, it's, it's infectious. And it's very, um, it's very subconscious um, on our unconscious on a lot of levels. And so I just, I find it fascinating to watch, um, especially in dementia care, when music comes in, how the whole room just changes. Definitely. And I love being a part of that. It's so special. Just so special. It's such a privilege to, to be doing this. I, I feel so grateful every day you know, that this is what I get to do and I get to meet so many amazing people and, and hopefully make a positive difference. Yeah. Now, how did the tour actually come about? Did you just start working in dementia care and then started getting more requests or, or how did that, how did that work? Yeah. So I started working more locally. I'm based in the Northwest of England. And um, so I'm from Lancashire and I now live in Merseyside near Liverpool. So the north of England and um, 
But like I say, I was getting requests from other places across across the country that didn't have music music programs or anything like that. So so um, as I said just before, if those places didn't, what other places didn't have music as well? So so I thought I need to go and explore and see see what's out there and what isn't out there. And also to not in a negative way, but to compare what one area has against what another doesn't, if that makes sense. So some of the facilities that I would see varied, you know, really considerably. Um, so some hospitals that I go to, they've got activity coordinators and people who actively bring things into the hospital. And then other ones have nothing, which, you know, it seems there's too much of a variation. It just, you know, that seems odd to me that there's, it's like a postcode lottery, isn't it? Depending on where you live. Do you know what I mean though? Depending on where you live in the country, you can have such a different experience. Yeah, and because you would, you think like with hospitals or care communities that there would be a standard and everyone would yes. just follow yeah. that. And I think that's the perception most people in the public have as well, but yet it really does vary. Um, yeah. and, and I'm sure that you've seen lots of different ways that music can be incorporated. Oh yeah, definitely. So what, um, why do you think music is so important and works so well with people living with dementia? I don't know the science behind it too well. That isn't really something that I've gone into too much. I know there are some great, very, very clever people doing the neurological studies and things like that. But, but for me, music is, it's magical. It, you know, it goes so deep into our soul that it's something that we don't lose. It, it's something that stays with us. It's something that's so natural to us. It's just such a natural thing for us to sing and to, you know, to be involved with music, even though our society often takes that away from us sometimes and, you know, and says that, oh, music must take place in concert halls or music must take place watching the television or, you know, things like that. I think sometimes music making is taken away from, from people so that's what I like to to get back to as well is actively encouraging people to make music as well. Well, that's neat. How do you how do you encourage them to make music? Um, basically, just it can be a simple level as joining in with a song. It's I try and gauge people's comfort levels. So I don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable in anything that I do. I don't want to make people feel anxious or scared. Obviously, that's the opposite of what I'm trying to do that wouldn't be very successful would it but yeah it can be as simple as singing with people or getting the percussion out and getting people to work on some rhythms which can be really good for cognitive um stimulation uh, and we'll do songwriting we can do songwriting lots of different things really if people played a guitar in the past I'm very happy to bring guitars and see if they if they want to have a go on that anything really just to get people involved well I think that's nice it's I and no music was really powerful with my mom who lived with dementia for oh. 30 years and music was always a big part of her life you know she was in the choir at church and <clears throat> all of those types of things uh, but I think one of the things that a lot of people don't realize you know with music is that it's not it's not just that we're listening but there are emotions tied to it Oh, and, it's, and it's those emotions that I think are, are so 
critical. So a song can make us laugh, it can make us smile, it can make us sad and cry, depending on what emotions and what story we attach to it, you know, what's happened in our own life. And you made a comment that uh, you don't know all the, the details necessarily of how everything works, but it's just kind of some common sense entity. So you're not a music therapist, but you have a strong appreciation and knowledge of the benefits of music that are just, you know, obvious when we look, when we pay attention and see somebody's reactions change. What are some of the signs that you see in your audience that tell you, I, I'm, I've hit the mark, we're doing, we're doing the right thing here? Well, it can vary so much, but, but I, I do think that I am quite perceptive at, at seeing those things. Because sometimes people, maybe people working, say, in a hospital, they'll, they'll talk to me afterwards and they'll say, oh, I'm sorry, you didn't get much of a reaction, did you? Or, oh, oh how does it feel when people don't respond? And I, I say to them, wow, you were in a different room to me. Because I saw people tapping their foot. I saw eyes being moved that weren't, you know, that were fixed to a spot previously. I see, a, even if it's a little corner of a smile, it, just simple things like that. And I see that music has helped. Um, obviously, bigger reactions are fantastic when people get up dancing or sing along. That's, you know, that's wonderful. And I, I obviously love seeing that as well. But even the smallest of reactions is a big, big triumph for me. That's, you know, that's why I do it, just to help someone even if it's in the smallest of ways that's still still a good day's work done <laughs> yeah well and for some people with dementia that's the only way they can communicate is in those small exactly. ways if they've progressed so i know again i'll use my mom as an example she would just light up mm. and i re I'll, I'll share a story i've shared several times on this show but it's just so powerful we did a session, a music session with my mom and a friend videotaped and I sat along while a woman sang and played guitar and my mom would doze off and then she would wake up again and you know, we we're going to do it for an hour, only lasted a half an hour. And I was so proud and I have all these clips on my YouTube channel of, of just what you're saying. You know, the hands going, tapping, the feet going, the head nodding, some words coming out, the smile, the glint in her eye. And I, I remember wanting to share that with one of my mom's best friends, but this woman couldn't go see my mom for 10 years. She never went to see her because she couldn't deal with it. And I slid this, this DVD over with my mom, you know, smiling. And I'm thinking this is just a joyful, joyful picture. And she screams out at me in the middle of a restaurant, you know, she's 76 years old approximately and says, she looks horrible. I thought you were taking good care of her because she didn't look how my mom used to look. She had chipped and broken teeth. She had, I think you can see a billy goat hair on her chin and her hair wasn't perfect. None of that mattered because, you know, some of that stuff caused her pain and angst. And so we just didn't go down that route. It was all about trying to bring her joy. And and I remember telling this woman, saying, thank you. And then she got really mad. Thank you. Thank you for what? And I'm like, hey, I didn't know. I don't see what you see. I, I didn't tell that moment. I thought everybody saw what I saw. 
they saw the joy, they picked up on all the nonverbals, but to be honest, most people don't. And it's such an important job for us to, to speak out and to explain and show the difference. Because, oh my gosh, um, even though they're not using words, they're speaking volumes as to their comfort and their level of joy. And it's so empowering. It's so cool to be present and to be able to witness that. And I'm, I'm not a musical person. I, you know, I sing and people scatter. <laughs> but, you know, to be in your position, to really be able to, to sing and, and create that. You know, I can just observe it. It's taught me I can sing and my mom wouldn't care, you know, if my voice was off because she was beyond that. So that was kind of fun, too. It made me feel less self-conscious of having a rotten voice, you know. But to be able to be in your position, to be able to to ignite that, I, I uh, that has to be just an absolutely amazing feeling to be able to witness that and see that. Or I feel so grateful, honestly, just so grateful to be able to do this. And it's not what I set out to do. You know, when I started singing, you know, I wanted to be in theatres and performing, you know, for audiences with that clear barrier, you know, of the stage and the audience. But now I couldn't think of anything, not anything worse, that's not what the right word to say, but, you know, to be able to touch people and be right there with them, that's what it's about for me. You know, making music with people, not singing at people. That's, that's what it is for me, that shared experience. You know, that's what brings us together, isn't it? That's how music can, can bring us together. That's just such a sincere statement and so authentic of, of how you're driven and the importance. Now, when people say, oh, gosh, I'm sorry, you, you know, you didn't get a good response. Do you point out to them what you're seeing? Do oh, you yeah. Yeah, I do. But I still think they don't really understand but but that's okay because maybe I didn't see it at first either you know maybe it's it's only been with doing this a few years now that that I've gotten more perceptive maybe so so it's not it's not anyone's fault if they don't see those signs I suppose it maybe it is a skill that you learn a little bit over time I don't know or, or like yourself when you've had personal experience maybe you're more attuned to it and sometimes I think it's um, organizations giving staff permission to slow down to see it, to say that's okay to notice, that's important. And, and sometimes I think from the corporate level, that's not acknowledged as being important. Your checklist is, you know, get your job description done. You know, there's that saying that people aren't going to remember what you did. They're going to remember how you made them feel. And I think that's such a profound statement. And I think it really coincides to what you're doing. How can people that are at home use music with their loved ones who might be diagnosed? Okay. So I think it's, it's a really great thing if you are an at-home carer or if you're a, a relative of someone living with dementia that's still living at home. I think you can definitely use music at home. Sometimes I think people shy away from doing that, especially on a one-to-one -one basis. I think they think, again, that music is something you might take someone out to experience or, or it's something that would only happen in a care home or something like that. But definitely use it at home. Even something as simple as, obviously, first of all, ask them what their favourite songs are if you don't know. 
if they're able to, you know, to communicate that, obviously. Definitely ask the person living with dementia what they want to hear, what they like, what they enjoy. That's the most important thing if you can. If not, do you remember yourself what their favourite songs were? Um, again, if, if that's not possible, maybe try and think of some from the era of their youth and maybe a bit of trial and improvement. Try a few out if, you know, if it sparks a good reaction, stick with that kind of thing. You know, if Elvis gets a really bad, oh no, you know, don't, <laughs> maybe, okay, we'll shell Elvis for now then. <laughs> but if the Beatles get a good one, oh right, okay, we'll go with that then. And then if you want to do a bit more interactive things, maybe get a percussion set, some little um, hand drums or something like that. See how that goes. Uh, find out if they played guitar, if they played keyboards, anything like that. And just, just try things, really. You never know what a person might like because we're all different, aren't we? We're all individual. And some people, music isn't even appropriate for. They might have had really bad experiences with music or with certain types of music. You know, we don't know a person's past, do we? So some things aren't appropriate. And I know some people, after they've had a stroke, they can become a little bit averse to music. I've heard stories about that before. So always do you know, lead with the person. And as we were saying before, with the reactions, you'll know if, if someone is really not enjoying something, you know, just, just try and be aware, really. Yeah, look for those non-verbals. And, and like you said, if music doesn't work for everyone. Yeah. And I think signs, because there are some people with their dementia where certain pitches or tones will just, ugh, you know, yeah. or the combination of things is just too much and they might need instead of a whole orchestra, maybe they do just need a piano or a guitar playing because it's too much. You know, it's, it's just too much for them to process. You know, again, looking at the music of their era when they were younger, thinking about that. My mom, like, loved Frank Sinatra and the big bands. I mean, you put that on and she would just melt. And, you know, she would sing with the songs, even as she progressed, didn't know all the words. And then pretty soon she couldn't say the words. But, you know, again, the hands and the toes were going, the smile was on, and she was just rocking her head and she was just peaceful. And, and I think sometimes we think we have to keep a person with dementia busy instead of letting them just be happy and content. I know I'd rather be happy and content than just someone mm -hmm. cracking a whip saying I got to be busy all the time. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's, uh, it's very important. So I think the use of music at home can be really good. Now, I know music therapists sometimes will say, well, you can't use music all the time because sometimes people will have it on all day long and they say it can lose its effectiveness and you know I don't know if I'm a believer in that or not I think every individual is different and for some people maybe they've always had music on in the background yeah exactly and that's a norm for them um, but it can it can help pull people out of moods and stuff I've had couples where they say they start every morning with a dance and it gives them that musical connection, but it gives them an intimate touching connection as well. And it just sets them both in a good mood. So um, some have said they do it every morning and evening before they go to bed. It's just, it's, it's kind of that joyful yet calmness. And I think, oh, how beautiful is that? Or people will say, well, you know, we can't dance anymore. Well, 
why can't you dance? There's lots of different ways. You don't always have to stand up to dance. You can do it in a chair. If somebody's in a wheelchair and they can, I mean, I was shocked. My mom still did the, the shimmy one time. I didn't even know she could shimmy. And it was like, oh my gosh, where did that come from? You know, and, and when that didn't work, when she couldn't maneuver her body, then we went down to like hand movements. And then we got down to just a, just finger dancing, you know, together. But yet it was fun. It was joyful. It was, it was this, again, intimate connection. And it didn't have to be fancy. It didn't have to be done to meet someone's expectations. And I think that's where we get caught up sometimes too, or that if someone's going to sing, they have to sing on key and, and things like that. And, and you've got your different genres, but you also have, you know, maybe there's some, um, some beautiful church music that they're used to. You know, a lot of people resonate with that, or sometimes it's even children's songs, depending on how far back they've gone. And sometimes the public will be real judging. Well, you know, she's not a child. Well, look, she's happy. Why, why do you want to take that away? Why are you so uncomfortable with yeah. someone feeling joyful and having, you know, as an adult, I mean, I sing you know, not very well, but I mean, I'll sing with my grandchildren. And what's wrong with that? You know, I, I just, I don't understand sometimes why people uh, get so offended and upset when somebody else is happy. I agree with you with that one. And um, I think it's because as adults, we're told that we can't be playful anymore. You know, we, we have to, we have to be serious and lose our sense of play. So when, for example, if I start some of the percussion that I use and um, some of the instruments could be seen as ones for children, some of them, but people love them. They love the sound they make. They love the feel of them. You know, I see people looking at them for the whole hour and, you know, they're so, people can be so fascinated by them. And yet other people, like you say, would judge that and say, oh, that's not dignified for someone. But, but what is that in a level of dignity? It's just, they're playing and having fun. What's what's wrong with that? You know, it's not, as long as somebody's obviously having a good time, I don't really see the problem with that, really. Me too. And I, I, I agree with you on the playfulness. I think that is, as a daughter, one of the lessons my mom taught me was to play again. Because I was, I was very serious. I had my checklist. I had stuff to do. I was important. You know, it's like, get out of my way. Got stuff to do. And she made me slow down and relax and not take myself so seriously. And it was like, wow, is that, that's so freeing to be able to get into that space again. Or to be able to sit and be silly with somebody and know you're not being judged. That it's yeah. just fun it's okay and I've said this probably a million times too but you know as the disease took more away from my mom in a lot of ways she gave me more back by being able to be with someone who didn't judge who just loved you unconditionally who you just felt so safe and then you really realize this is really rare this yeah. is not this is not the norm that most people live their lives and you know, these, these gifts wrapped up in dementia and music 
are there if we if we choose to look for them. Yes, definitely. That's such a beautiful way of looking at it as well. So um, with music, you know, how, how have you used it in kind of innovative ways? Have you have you ever used it to try to get somebody out of a mood or to even get them if, if somebody is having a tough time getting down the hall, you know, and, and um, you know, coming to you or, or back from you? I mean, I've yeah. seen people put that into play where it's just, you know, I don't really want to go. And then all of a sudden they're singing along with you and they can't wait to get there. Um. I say in a care home setting, if people haven't wanted to come out of their rooms to the, you know, to what we're doing as a group, I've gone into people's rooms and, and just done a little, you know, and said, okay, if you don't want to join us, you know, how about we just do a little song here, just the two of us, and then, and then I'll go, don't worry. But by the time we've done the song, they're, they're like, oh, what's next? And then they just follow me into, and it's, that's, that's really nice. Obviously, I wouldn't, you know, I don't want to force anyone. To do anything but sometimes just a bit of encouragement and people do want to get involved it's just that sometimes even we do it don't we we limit ourselves and say oh no I'm not feeling like that today even though deep down actually you, you, you would like to go out or you would like to do something so yeah just I like encouraging people to get involved and people they start off not wanting to do it but by the end you know they're joining in as much as anyone so that's that's always nice. I know when we would have a, um, a musician come and play for my mom sometimes they'd go to her room and then everybody would gather around the room because they want to know yeah. what was going on and so finally I said well why don't we just do it in the big room you know because yeah. everyone can be comfortable and, and she was more than more than fine with that but people are curious and it's nice to have somebody come in and say you're important to me you know we'd like to have you here this is what we're going to do I mean just that just that reaching out um, and singing a song to somebody can just melt their heart and say okay I, I am part I want to be part so that's a that's a really neat thing I also liked when you're talking about using different instruments and stuff and I mean as a kid I remember my great aunt got married and they did a thing called the shivery and it was and the shivery was they after they after they kissed doing their vows because they got married at my folks house then we went into the kitchen we all grabbed pots and pans and wooden spoons and we came out and we were making music um thinking on all these things and that was the shivery and then they threw like pennies up in the air and we all scrambled for them but but it was so much fun and there's so many different ways to make music if it's clinking a glass with a spoon you know if it, I mean there's if it's blowing in a pop bottle or whistling or tapping or clapping or um or using something physical um and I think sometimes again we we forget about that creative way to make sound and to be part yeah, well, there was a lady um, at one of the last groups that I did this week. I didn't give her a, I didn't give her an instrument because she was knitting. So I thought, oh, she's a bit busy. She's knitting. So, um, yeah, I, I thought she wasn't really engaging that much because she was, you know, busy doing this scarf. But then when I looked over, she'd stopped her, her knitting and she was clinking her needles together in time with the music. And I, I was absolutely overwhelmed by that. I thought, that is brilliant. I just thought, and it sounded great as well. It was just such a nice tink, 
tink, tink. It was so, it was just great to see it because she'd done that completely spontaneously. You know, I didn't, I like to encourage people when they've got the percussion and, you know, I'll go up and, and you know, um, you know, simulate the percussion for them to, to get them involved. But, but she just did that completely spontaneously on her own. So I thought, I thought that was fantastic. Just these needles going clink, clink, clink. It was great. Really great. And then I've seen people with spoons on their cups of tea. If it's tea time, they'll, they'll use the spoons. So yeah, so like, it's great fun. That's, that's very, very neat. And I, I think it's a fun way to kind of capture the moment, let them be an individual, you know, and participate and stuff. So that's very cool. When my mom was in the nursing home, they had like a choir. And so she was, she joined the choir and they would go around and they would kind of carol you know, throughout the, the nursing home. And then when she got to the point where she couldn't participate that in that, she loved when they came though. And, and you know, she never, she never lost her love of music. You know, even in her end stages, even when she was actively dying, um, she wanted, you know, Frank Sinatra on. And you could just tell because she would just get this peacefulness you know, within her, you can just you read it in her body language. And, and again, sometimes I think we just have to slow down and, and see what those signs are. And again, um, like you had mentioned, not all music will work for everyone. Um, and there, there might be a few people that are just adverse to music, period. But I think it's going to be few and far between. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And it's still always worth a try. Because uh, again, what works one day might not work the next day. That doesn't mean it won't work again, though. And mm -hmm. so, you know, you have to you have to measure that out. Um, what what ways do you see music bringing us all together? I think that's what it exists for, really, is to bring us together. Because even if we listen to music individually, it's still a connection to to something wider than ourselves, isn't it? You know, because if we're listening to a piece of music somebody else has created that music so we're connecting to to their vision of what they see as the world but obviously on a, um in terms of people living with dementia i think it can just bring bring a group together it can sometimes bring people out of themselves to you know to stimulate those memories and and bring people into a bit more of a conversational mood which is always really nice and um, I really like leaving a room when people have started chatting to people next to them and you know made made friends if they didn't know the person already that's always nice I just think music is just so special and and again I know I know that there are um you know scientific things behind music and mathematical things and um, and obviously that's very important to know those things but I still think that music has an added special ingredient that we don't know exactly what it is yet. And maybe one day we will, because maybe our science just hasn't caught up, caught up to that yet. But, but music is so special for me that I just think it, it has the power to bring people together like that. And I've seen rooms come alive and I can't explain why that room wasn't like that before the music. It's just, it's just music, isn't it? <laughs> have you have you seen the movie Alive Inside? I have, yes, yes. 
because that's a perfect example. You can, you know, rent that or get that on Netflix. And that is, you you see that ripple effect. You see the change in the personalities. You see the joy. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's impossible not to witness it in that film. And Mm -hmm. it happens not just with people with dementia, but people with um, anxiety and um, post-traumatic stress and, you know, psychotic episodes. And it just blossoms. And people are shocked when they see um, somebody respond to music because they've never seen, they've never seen that person. They've always seen this person who's maybe withdrawn and quiet. And then all of a sudden now they're engaged and they're happy and and they're they're just so shocked. So I think sometimes we 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 forget how important trying something new is, and what a big impact it can have. The music does bring bring people together, and I think for visits it can really take the edge off, you know, because it brings comfort not only to the person with dementia but the care partner. It, it is really nice when I'm there and families are there as well, because that creates a bonding experience. For them, because especially if their loved one is quite advanced and they're maybe not responding as much as you know as much as the family would like, and the family get involved just as much because they're trying to you know they're trying to be playful you know for their loved one as well, and I think that's very special to see that the effort that that people will go to to you know to try and bring music to their loved one. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I do like it when the families are there. It becomes like a bit of a party, and it's, it's really nice. Yeah, it's a real shared experience. I know I've used music with um with my mom with grooming because you know as she progressed, she you know she didn't like the shower and things like that. So I talked with the um, nursing home administrator and and had talked to him about changes to make in the bathroom that would make it more comfortable and calming. And he's like, "Well, you got and then." I give him my big long list and then he's like, well, you have anything else? And I said, if you could teach the staff to sing their favorite songs, I said, that would just cut everything right in half. And he's like, well, I don't know if I can get him to do that, but you know, it really would make a huge difference or just having that music playing in the background, you know, some, something soothing if they're, if they're scared to take that edge off. I, I think there's so many ways to use music and, and it's such a big part of everybody's lives. It's easy to access. I don't care if it's on your phone or, you know, whatever it's through, you know, we can get it on our, on our TVs, our computers, everything nowadays. And I think, I think sometimes when something is so accessible, we forget its value. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Especially the way that music is, is sort of, capitalized on nowadays it is just seen as oh you buy tickets to a concert or you buy this cd it's not really seen as oh you can take ownership of it and that it's for everyone you know we can all make music and like you were saying about using music in in different settings like that I think that's the way forward obviously what I do is quite specific in in that I go in specifically to do musical things But I think having music in different ways like that is so important. I think you've spoken with Lenny, our dementia-friendly barber over here in the UK. Um, But one of the things he does is he uses music when he's barbering. Um, All the wonderful things that he does. (laughs) I don't know the correct terms. (laughs) 
Um, and I know that that does help calm any of these gentlemen that are feeling a bit anxious because because it would be anxious, anxiety inducing, wouldn't it? Having a shave or or like, you know, with your mum having a shower. Because these are, you know, it's you're in a new place, you're in a new, you know. But if you have something familiar, like music that you've known all your life, that is going to help, isn't it? Hopefully. So I know that there are wonderful people over here and I'm sure over where you are doing wonderful things like that. There's a there's a lot of cool stuff going on. And, you know, I kind of giggle because I think of, well, how long have has music played in elevators or yeah. when you're put on hold or you know, all these, you know, you're in the dentist's office. That's all about calming. You know, that that's why that stuff started was to keep you engaged, not keep, you know, so you don't get too bored or hang up or go away. Or if you're get claustrophobic in an elevator, it's to calm you down and pass the time. And so why we haven't implemented this at a higher level with dementia fascinates me because like you said, the science is there. I think sometimes the, the psychosocial stuff has been poo-pooed for a long, long time and everything was a cure and a pill. And yeah. a cure is a long ways out. I don't care who you talk to or what they promise. It's just a long ways out. So let's, let's focus on care along yeah. with the cure. And, and let's use things that are inexpensive, readily available to us mm -hmm. and bring joy, not just to the, the person with dementia, but to everybody around. Bring that comfort and, and let it expand. Uh, just it just makes so much sense to me. Do you have any favorite songs that you just see connect with a lot of your people that you work with? Some of their what are some of their favorite titles that you see them light up with? The songs that get everybody singing together are they are the classic ones. Things like "You Are My Sunshine" and "Que Sera Sera Doris Day." Um, I don't know if you have it over there, but do you know Malcolm and Wise? Do you have is that, a, is that a quite a UK thing? But there's a song called Bring Me Sunshine. I don't know if you know that one. Bring me sunshine in your smile. Is that quite a UK specific one? But that, that's, um, that's a very popular one. Um, yeah, definitely You Are My Sunshine, though. That's, what, that's probably my favourite one to sing. That was my mom's favourite. In fact, yeah. at the end of her funeral service, a musician who played for my mom played and we all sang you are my sunshine it was like oh yeah but but a lovely a lovely thing to do though that's but it, it was very fun because it was really uplifting everybody knew the word i even though i'm getting teary-eyed now it's like oh <laughs> you know it was very heartfelt it was very yeah. fun sometimes people look at songs and they categorize them as a children's song or whatever People just said, I, I know who your mom is now. Oh. And people who had never met her, but through the service and then through, and, and then ending in the song, and they said, you know, we've never seen that. I mean, they'll play a song, but people aren't supposed to participate. But the whole room, and there's probably 200 people in there, all started singing, You Are My Sunshine. It was very powerful, very, very powerful. You know, for her memorial service, it was a lot of fun and um I, I hear that song a lot from from so many people i don't know what it is about that song but i think it is just because everybody knows it as well isn't it it's it's very accessible mm -hmm. 
you know, because even, even other popular songs, people might not know all the words to, or they might not, so they don't feel comfortable joining in because we're scared, aren't we? And, yeah. you know, in our society of making a mistake. Oh gosh, if I got the words wrong. But, but with You Are My Sunshine, everybody just knows it so, so well. My mum sang it to me as a child, you know, mm -hmm. so it's gone across generations. So, so yeah, I think it's just, that's probably my number one song to sing with people. Well, and then after, after my mom had passed, we, it was funny because we were, my daughter and I would be shopping and we kept seeing all these signs, all these things with you are my sunshine. So it's like, okay, we have to get that. We have to get this because it was oh, so cool. So we have that, we have several of them placed throughout the house and got them for some of the other family members and stuff, just as a, just kind of as a keepsake and a reminder and stuff, which was kind of cool too. Bexy, I think you're just doing amazing work and I love your dedication and your attitude to bring joy and comfort um, to those dealing with dementia. I, I just, I admire that so much. So keep up the great work and I hope people continue to, to hire you to do your tours all over. So you're just you can do this walking joy magnet and, and teach people, you know, what to look for in terms of what joy looks like. Cause I, again, I think we are a society that is stuck with it's got to look like this when it can look like so many other things but you know people aren't going to spot it if they don't know what they're looking for so i think having those conversations is is very important yeah. too yeah. now they can go to your blog which is b-e-x-i-o-w-e-n dot wordpress dot com that's b-e-x-i o w e n dot wordpress dot com and you're also on facebook so if they put in your name again b e x i o w e n they will find you on facebook um, or twitter that's your handle on twitter as well so thank you for spending spending time with us today i really Really appreciate it very much. In wrapping up, I just want to give a shout out to the Memory Cafe directory, which is provided by Calendar Cards. You can find a Memory Cafe in your area, or you can register yours too, free of charge. Again, just go to Memory Cafe directory. And then I also like to give a shout out to Purple Table Reservations. I just think this is such a cool concept. There is a a woman whose mother had dementia and she's a restaurant owner and she knows how important it is for restaurants to be able to cater to the needs of people with dementia. And so she's put this program together and will train restaurants and she has an app so people can find, you know, purple table restaurants to go to. And it's, it's all about serving not just people with dementia, but post-traumatic stress, autism, anybody with special needs, but nobody wants to be called out for special needs. You just want to be dealt with in a different fashion. So they've done some things to help staff and, and organizations work better, knowing maybe where to place somebody because of noise and lighting, maybe have a simpler menu, how to talk to them directly and be able to pull out what it is. So instead of giving them 45 salad dressings to pick from, <laughs> you'll weed it down for them, etc. Um, so check them out at purpletables.com. That's purpletables.com. And again, don't forget to uh, click like to this show and share it with others. And 
Also, check us out at alzheimerspeaks.com. We would love to hear from you. Maybe, maybe you could be our next guest. We're always looking for new people, and all voices are welcome. So if you're a person living with dementia, if you're a family caring for somebody, if you're a business owner, a singer, a songwriter, a movie director, a researcher, you name it, an advocate, yeah, you're welcome here. We love hearing everyone's perspectives of what are the needs and what are they doing about it and how might others apply what they've found in their own area. So again, Bexie, thank you so much for joining us here on Alzheimer Speaks. Really appreciate it. It's time to rethink, renew, and reimagine retirement. Hey, everybody, Jared Sebesta here, host of Retire Repurposed. Now, this podcast is about the non-financial parts of retirement, which many times can be even more challenging than the financial. We believe retirement is not the end, rather the beginning of what could be the most impactful, purposeful, and fulfilling season of a person's life. So don't retire, become repurposed. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.